Well, we have now just joined our campus in Vieira and our campus in Sebastian, as well as all of you that are watching online. Now, I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 10, and that is where we're going to be. And I want to ask you a simple, strange question. Does anybody remember one of these? We've traveled about 10 feet in our neighborhoods is what we've done in the last four or five months, right? Anybody remember this? The old days? Are you anybody looking forward to it again? Yeah. Well, five of you. This is going to be an interesting world. But this is not really for a trip. It's your spiritual life right inside of here, your heart your mind. And we're going to use this as an illustration today. And you'll see on the overhead exactly what it says. This bag represents our spiritual lifestyle, our walk as we follow God. Now, as we go through this, we're going to look at the life of Cornelius. He's a Gentile and he's a Roman. And we're going to look at the life of Peter. That you know well. And as we do this this week and next week, you're going to find that Cornelius is going to have to add something to his spiritual walk because there's something missing in his life. Now, Peter is going to have to empty some things out. His prejudice. Things that aren't right in the heart of a believer. And by the way, as we go through all of this, you and I, we may have to add something to our life. Or we may have to add, uh, subtract something to our life. So we'll just see that as we go through. Because do you remember this statement? Life is not just about the destination. It's about our journey. And that's why we're here. It's a lifelong journey, discipleship, as we work through different things. And you're going to see how wonderful this is in the scripture. Now, here we go. The teaching this morning will be on truths, truths that will change our thinking, truths that will change our hearts, and of course, then, obviously, our lifestyles. Now, when you see this, I'm going to give you some history this morning, because without the history in the Old Testament, you'll miss the principle of what's really happening here. Early in the book of Acts, we saw God use Peter, a spirit-filled believer, to preach the truth about Jesus. Remember, after Pentecost, and thousands of people got saved. And it wasn't long after that, that about four to five, maybe even more, up to 10,000 Jewish believers put their faith in Jesus Christ. It was amazing. And then last weekend, Peter did something. He, he left the Jerusalem area, and he started traveling. That's what he was supposed to be doing. All the disciples were doing. Remember, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we saw last week, God used Peter to heal a man, Aeneas, who had been in a bed for basically eight years. And he prayed for him, and Jesus touched that man. And then, one even bigger than that, Tabitha was a wonderful believer. And she was such a gifting person, helping people. But she died. And Peter went 
to her house, went to the upstairs, you remember from last week, and he asked God to do a, a miracle that only God can do. He raised her from the dead through the powerful name of Jesus. Now, in our passage this morning, Peter is going to be taught to start in a strange way to get rid of the prejudice he had as a regular Jew. Now, Jewish people, and you'll see why in a moment, they had religious traditions that were filled with pride and prejudice and legalism. Now, I want to give you simple three truths this morning. Jesus is going to teach that to them and to us. Here they are. Truth number one. God wants his disciples to help extend the kingdom of God. And here's the big one that you're going to focus on this week and next week. Truth. The gospel needs to be presented to the whole world, including who? Tell me. The Gentiles. Any Gentiles here in the room? Anybody watching online? Probably 99%. So you're going to see something very important in that. See, here's, here's the truth. You know, the Gentiles have to be there. Now, how do I know that's a thing from God? Take a look. You know this verse by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal lives. So what has been missing since the church were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room? They were all Jews. What's been missing? Gentiles. Does the world include all Gentiles? Yes, it does. You're, you're kind of quiet this morning. You're not sitting in your own home. I'm waiting for an amen somewhere here. Come on. Is, is the gospel going to the Gentiles important to you? Hello, where would you be? You wouldn't be in church. I wouldn't be in church either. So let's give me, the, I'm gonna give you the history really quickly. When, when God created mankind, every single person was made, guys online, every single person was made in his image. Now, at this time, man was not identified as a Jew or a Gentile. He was just man. But then God decided in his wisdom to establish a nation of people called Jews. And God said to Abraham, you are going to be the father of this nation, the father of the Jewish nation. Then God said to Abraham, follow me to a land that's going to be the Jewish nation. And Abraham started to do that. When, when he gave his promises to Abraham, he made some amazing promises to him. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be amazing. People will remember your name. And of course, we know that's true. But then he gave us a promise that would affect every single person in the world. Take a look on the overhead. This was God speaking to Abraham. This is what's going to happen to you. Genesis 12, 3. All peoples on the earth. How, how many is all? It's all. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Well, how could that be? Abraham's dead many, many years ago. Here's how. Truth. God would bless all people by sending Jesus to die for their sins. And Jesus would come through what kind of people? The Jewish people. The line of David. So God chose the Jewish people to worship him because he was the only one true God. Now, other than the Jewish people, 
We had lots of other people. They would be Gentiles. Not necessarily named at this point. But they were worshiping all these other people that were outside the line of the Jewish people. They were Gentiles in all kinds of worlds. Now, what were they doing? They were all kind of nations. Remember at Babel, God scattered them everywhere. Why did he do that? Because they said, we can make this thing and it'll go right to heaven and we'll be God. Uh, God says, I may be not. And he sent them all over the world. Now, why did God send the Jewish people out? Well, they were worshiping what? The one true God. What were the other nations that were now, we would call them Gentiles, what were they worshiping? Every kind of God you can imagine. They'd worship a rock. Their gods were pagans. There was nothing alive with them. There was no intimacy with their fake gods. Remember Egypt, all those gods, the water, the land, everything else. So what happened? Well, God said to the Jewish people, you be light to a dark nation. What was he talking about? Spiritual light. These people need to know there's only one true God. What was the first commandment that God gave, the Ten Commandments? You'll have what? No other gods before you. But what were the Gentiles doing? You name it, they had it. What was the problem? Pretty soon, the Jewish nation that was to be light started walking in darkness just like them. They became like them. They failed the commission God gave them to be light, to show people there's only one true God. And pretty soon, what did God do? He punished the nation of Israel, and they were sent off away from the presence of God. So what you're going to see is that exception, that, uh, that moving apart from the Gentiles and the Jews became really, really bad. And as we move into the New Testament, what is left is the Jewish people finally came back to be worshipers of the one true God. But who did they leave out? Come on, this is not hard. All the Gentiles. They left the Gentile people out. And of course, you're exactly right. They left Jesus out. And you'll see that as we go. So God was not really pleased with them, but that's where you and I are. And makes to see this. The, the Jewish people had a verse in the Old Testament, but they missed it. Look at this verse. Isaiah 49, 6. He's speaking to the Jews. I will make you a light. To who? Now, this is in their Bible. This is in their Bible. That you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. They blew it. They blew it. So the Gentiles were castaways. They're on the outside. And many of the Jews, obviously, when Jesus came, they were blinded. Now, in our passage today, the Romans, Gentiles, Roman nation, Gentiles, had control of the land of Israel when we open, when you open this passage, about a hundred years. They've been ruling the nation of Israel. Israel had no rights, basically. The Romans were doing this. Now, the Jews obviously hated the Romans because what? Pagan gods, pagan gods, pagan gods. But the Romans hated the Jews because they had this legalistic beliefs that were weird as heck to them. Now, let me give you three things really quickly. Here's what we need to understand. Know God's truth. 
That's what I'm teaching this morning. All God's truth. The Bible is all truth. Number two, it's not enough to know it. See, the Jewish people may have known that verse. They didn't believe it. They didn't follow it. Now, walk in the truth because the truth affects the way we live. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Number three, this has always been God's goal from the beginning. Share truth with others. Right from the beginning, I'm divining a nation. I'm telling you, Abraham, be light. Change the world. Didn't happen. We have that today. It's called the Great Commission. Same exact thing. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 10, where I ask you to go. Those of you watching online, too. Chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Now, he was a centurion, and that simply means he was a Roman officer in charge of about 100 soldiers. Now, Caesarea, a Roman city uh, off the Mediterranean, uh, the Roman capital of Palestine, of Israel at that time. Now, Cornelius, at one point, he got fed up with all the pagan gods that the Romans were worshiping. And not that. You know how our city is today with abusive kids and, and homosexuality and you name it. It was way worse in that time. And Cornelius just said, what kind of people are we here? This is crazy. And he says, I'm, I'm worshiping a rock. And so he decided he had heard about the Jewish people because basically he's in Israel. And he heard that they didn't have many gods. They had only one God. So he began to start his journey for truth. And what we know from the scripture, we don't know a lot, but he became a proselyte of the Jewish nation in, in not the strictest terms. Remember, if you really wanted to be a Jew, you not only had to believe in the one true God, what else you had to do? You had to be circumcised and go through all the things. Well, he didn't do that, but he did believe there would be one true God. So he moved away from that Greek culture. And remember, the, the gods they were worshiping, really weird gods. Jupiter, Mars, Augustus, yeah, right, uh-huh. And so he moved from that. Now look what happened to his life in verse 2. And he and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God on a regular basis. So you see a moral, religious man, listen, fathers, including his family. He brought them along, his wife along. He was a generous giver as well. And he absolutely was full of good deeds. He loved to minister to people. Now, let me share with you one thing. Here's what happens. There's something in Cornelius' bag that needs to be removed. But he doesn't know what it is. You know what it is? It's a three-letter word. S-I-N. Say it with me. Sin. It's in his life. But he knew anything about it. He didn't understand sin. What do you mean? Something's, hey, I'm a worshiper of God. No, there was something left in his life that God is going to give him wisdom. You'll see it this week and next week. And it's going to change his whole life as we go through. Now, watch this. God knew exactly what needed to be removed 
from Cornelius' life and what needed to be put back in his life, in his bag. And you're going to see on the other end, God knew exactly what Peter needed to get rid of and add to his life. We have such a personal God. Now, here's the problem. God knew exactly what was missing. You know what was missing. What one person was missing from Cornelius' life? It's a name you're familiar with. Jesus. He doesn't know anything about Jesus. Now, how could he be with Jewish people and knows nothing about Jesus? Well, did the Gentiles believe in Jesus? No. Did the Romans believe in Jesus? No. Well, how about the religious Jews? Did they believe in Jesus? No. So if he, remember, he's going to the synagogue. He's hearing the Old Testament. That's basically it. He's hearing about the one true God. He went that far, but he'd never heard about Jesus once. Why? You'd never hear about Jesus from the Jews. Why? Very simple. Take a look at this. The Jewish leaders were prejudiced against Jesus, and they hated him. Remember when Jesus came to the earth? Remember what he wrote? John wrote this. Jesus, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. See, he thinks he's probably okay. Just like so many people. I would say, I'm guessing, 80% of our world believes this. Your good works will get you to heaven. You ask people, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, I'm, I'm a good person. Well, that's fine. That's wonderful. Was this guy, was Cornelius a good person? Amazing. Will that get him to heaven? No. But nobody's told him that. He doesn't know the truth. That's why we have to share the gospel. Remember, good people do not go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. But that's the confusion is. It's always a lie from Satan. Oh, you're good enough. You earn it. You got the points, man. They've added up like crazy. Man, wait, you relax. You're fine. No, you're not fine. And you know God's truth. It was, it's a very simple verse. But most of our world doesn't understand it. And of course, Cornelius didn't. Look at John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me. Now, I know some of you watching online, of course, many of you that have come to church for many years, you understand this, but there was a day you didn't understand it. None of us did. We thought we'd be a good person. We're just going to go there. But I want to say this to you. Some of you are probably saying, Pastor Mark, is, is that really true? That's the only way people can get to heaven? Yes. That's not Calvary Chapel's doctrine. That's God's doctrine. That's the only way. And it's Jesus taught it to everybody. Now, here's something. As you invite friends to church to come, and those of you that have for the last 10, 12 weeks, you've been fantastic online, all the people getting saved. Here's the truth. It's possible to be very moral and very religious and still be lost. Some of you that I'm teaching to online and here this weekend, that will fit you perfectly. And you're kind of shocked by it. But it's not us, it's God. He wants you in heaven. Now, here's the second one. Most people know about God, but they don't know God. You might say, Pastor Mark, I know the governor of Florida. 
Good. What do you know about him? Uh, he's the governor of Florida. That's about it, right? They don't know him personally. What is God really like? Can I know him? Yes, you can. One reason Jesus came to this earth was to show us what God was like in the, in the character of Jesus. We learned so much about that. We've never met God. You and I never met God on the street. Nobody's ever seen God. We haven't even seen Jesus, but we learned his character. All the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they began to know who God was personally because they were actually walking with him. Now, the more you know a person, the more you can trust him. That's why it has to be personal. The more we know God and his character, the easier it is for us to obey him. Now, you're going to see Cornelius was living in truth that he had. That's all he had. And what does God do? God's going to honor where he's at. Even if you're here today, I, I remember over the years, and my dad even, you know, my dad was a pastor for 50 years, and all the years I've been teaching and whatever, I remember talking to people in neighborhoods at work and whatever when I was working as a pharmacist and all that stuff. I remember asking the people, hey, do you believe in God? Oh, absolutely, I believe in God. Do you know anything about Jesus Christ? You need to be safe. No, 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 I believe in God. I'm fine. No, that's not right. But that's what Cornelius thought. So who's going to change that? God. He's going to arrange the whole situation. Why? Because Cornelius is a person, and every person matters to God. He's going to come right to him. How do I know that's true? Look on the overhead. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Cornelius knew something was missing, but he doesn't know what it was. Some of you are now going, oh, that's what I've been missing. I don't have a confidence that I need to have. Now, look at verse 10. One day, about three in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, two things about that that might shock us. Put yourself in his shoes. Anybody ever had... Wake up in the morning, and in front of you is an angel. How would you go? Hey, honey, come in. Let's see this. No, you and I be on the floor. Ah! And then the, and the angel says what? Your name. Wait a minute. How do you know my name? Well, it's on the door outside. No, it's God. See, so you're going to see him. He's shocked out of his mind. That's never happened to him. By the way, let's be honest. It's never happened to us here. You guys watching online. And notice what he says. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He's kind of getting it, he asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. You know, God takes care of, he knows what we're doing. He knows our good things. He knows our bad things. He still loves us. He knows how generous we are in giving, how friendly we are, how we do, like all you guys have been. And all that's happened. You've been inviting so many people to watch and listen to the word of the Lord. And he says this. The angel says, they've gone. Uh, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Thanks for being generous is what the angel's saying. Now, look at verse 5. Now, here's, he's going to give him a command. The angel's going to say, here's what I want you to do. Send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon 
who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. You know, God couldn't say, just put this guy's name right there. Put it in your Google. You'll find the house. No, he says it's by the sea. It's a tanner. You'll be able to smell it, the old animal skins. Just find it. Now, let me show you on the map just a couple things. As you know, we, we still have 50 people going to Israel. If we can do that at the end of August, we're praying that it'll be open. If not, we'll go later. But we've been here, I've been here like 18 times. Here's Caesarea. You can see it right there. It, it's basically on, on the Mediterranean, and that's where Cornelius is. And if you go down 30 miles, 30 miles, you come to Joppa. I'll show you that right there. And as you can see, it's very, very close to Jerusalem. Now, here's something else I want to show you. This is a picture of where Peter is going to, is, is staying. We go, every time we go to Israel, we come to the Tanner's house. Right there is the Tanner's house. You'll see the door right here would say about, this is the Tanner's house. They tell us when you go over there, this is where they stayed. Maybe not exactly it, but you'll see up there a roof. And you're going to see where Peter goes. That's exactly what you're going to see in the scripture. The Bible is so very much accurate. Now, here's a question you might have. Well, why did they have to go all the way down there and, and, and get Peter to come back up to Cornelius? Why didn't he just send the angel? Why doesn't the angel just tell me what I need to know? Well, here's what you need to see. Notice this. God has chosen to use you and me, Christ followers, to take his truth to the whole world. Well, Pastor Mark, I'd rather he use an angel. No, this is a privilege for us. When you've led someone to the Lord, and you know it was all God anyway, did you feel good when you left? Of course you did. And it's not only a privilege, it's a responsibility. It's a command that we're given by God. And thank you for being faithful to so many people that need to hear the gospel. Now look at verse 7. Now, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, he left. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of the attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So that already tells us that his servant and, and these other officers that are with him, they kind of know he's worshiping somebody different than these pagan gods. So we don't know how far that went, but probably pretty well. He knew. He says, you guys don't worship those. There is a one true God. So he immediately begins to walk in this new truth. Now let's go down to the Tanner's house. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, Peter grew up in a Jewish tradition, remember, all his life, that taught that the Gentiles were unclean. They're not in kosher. Don't get around them. Don't have anything to do with him. But God is going to change Peter through his teaching and change that, pre that prejudice thinking and believing cause a lifestyle of ignoring those people. He didn't care for them. None of the Jews did. Acts 10, 10. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So Peter is trying to pray, but the first thing that comes to his mind is food. Anybody relate to that? Well, honey, I'm going to be in the room over here for about 20, 30 minutes praying, and 
And five minutes later, honey, would you bring me that bagel and the coffee, please? Thank you very much. And pretty soon, we've got off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I guess I'm the only one. They're going to be a big altar call today. It's going to be a big altar call. So here he is. But you know what's very interesting? God's going to use food as an application. Watch it. He's going to use food as an application. So immediately, <clears throat> he, he begins to say, uh-oh, something's changing here. Look at verse 11. And he saw heaven open. He's in this trance. And something like a, a large sheet being let down to the earth by four corners. So whoop, here it comes. Now remember, he's up on the roof. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Now, you, you're going to see this. You, you understand this. When he sees that happening, look at verse 13. Then a voice told him, God, get up, Peter knows his name, kill and eat. God was going to add something to Peter's luggage, his lifestyle. He's going to ask Peter to do something, and he's going to ask him to eat something he has never eaten in all his life. So he's going to have something new, but he doesn't want to touch it because he thinks it's wrong. But it isn't about the food. It's going to be a spiritual application between the Gentiles. So watch what happens. Now, if you go to Leviticus 11, and you probably don't want to do that, uh, but it's all about the kosher and the foods. Here's what you can eat, kosher. Here's what you can eat this way. Now, why did God set rules up about what to eat? Well, in those days, let's face it, how much you have something, how much uh, basically, uh, what I say, refrigeration do you have? None. How about if you do get sick? Any way, any way to heal yourself with drugs? No, it's just not going to be there. So he, he wanted to protect these people. And, and they had no way to destroy bacteria that was there. A sample of clean animals, I'll just give you a very quick sample, were oxen, okay for oxen, cattle, sheep, goats, deers. Unclean animals were mostly animals that played with stuff that was dead already. That was the danger. And let me give you an idea. Pigs, camels, rabbits, lobster, anybody on the bottom, shrimp, same way. And so here, here's what comes down to Peter. Now, let me remind you of something. Peter's hungry. <laughs> He's saying, what the heck is that? It smells pretty good. I think it smells like a pig. You're right. <laughs> what about this baby? What is that? He'd never eaten a lobster in his life. Now, I, didn't, I should have done this at the end so you wouldn't skip to the end want to go right out of here and eat. But I put it there. Now, what is he, he, he sees this, I, again, this is me just saying he sees stuff. I don't know what, what animals they were, but he sees stuff has never entered his mouth, but he's looking, well, that looks pretty good. Now, what, what's going to happen? Well, take a look at this. Look at verse 14. Remember what Jesus said? God said, get up, kill, and what? Eat. Look what he says in verse 14. Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Well, Peter is honest. He says, I don't know why you're telling me to do something you told me not to do. This is ridiculous. I've never touched that food. I won't touch it now. Now, when you say to God, no, Lord, there's a problem. 
It's called an oxymoron. You know the oxymorons. Large shrimp, a little pregnant, constant change, freezer burn, clear as mud. He says, no, no. Now, you and I can say no to lots of people. You probably said, if you're married, you probably said no to your spouse today. I've been praying for you. But there's one person we can't say no to. No, Lord. That's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to see this on the overhead. This is very personal for all of us at the campuses, all the campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, you guys online. This is very personal to all of us, including me. Could it be, watch this. Let me go back to this principle. Watch here. Take a look at here. The bag, it says this. You maybe have a plan that you're working on. Or in your life, you've been thinking about doing this, and you kind of did it. When God says no, you went ahead and did it anyway. I know, God, you said I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be playing in that. I shouldn't waste my time over there. Well, God's saying to you and to me this morning, don't say no to God. Get rid of it. Maybe there's something. Remember the book of Hebrews says, if there's a sin or something that's getting you off where you should go. That thing that tricked you. Be honest. Okay, God, yeah, you're right. I, I'm working on this situation. You're not really first in my life anymore. This is now first in my life, money or a vacation or work or whatever. I, I want to put you back. Empty your life of it this morning. Because then you're going to feel right. You said, well, that was stupid. For, that was absolutely stupid, Pastor Mark, for Peter to say to God, no, God. Anybody here ever say no to God? Let's raise our hands. Sure we have. And then later did we have to repent. Because the thing that we started on didn't work out very well, did it? So I just want to challenge you. This isn't just for Peter. This is for all of us. We have to put God first. In our life. Now, when you see that, look at verse 15. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure, God says, that God has made clean. This happened three times. Three times in a row. You know, you know if you watch Peter, he's kind of stubborn. His head's like this. You know what I mean? He liked to say no of all kinds of things. Peter, put your thing up here. I'm going to wash your feet. Remember the night? Oh, you're not washing my feet. Okay, wash all of me. He, had, he liked the word no. That's not very, I'm going to the cross. I uh, know you're not going to the cross. Whoops, he got in trouble. Then what did God say to him? Satan, get behind that guy right there. Get out of my life. So be careful. We want to say yes to God. That's the only thing you want to say to God because his plan is always perfect. So here's what's happening. Now, when you see that happening three times, Peter's having a struggle because he knows something's going to happen. There's some kind of thing that God is trying to do, but he doesn't get it yet. He's thinking food, tradition, but it's not that. It's going to be people, not tradition. Now, here's something I want to remind you about because we see this all over our world today specifically. Truth. Prejudice is related to pride, and God hates them both. The number one thing God hates is pride. 
And why would I be prejudiced? Why would Peter be prejudiced to Jews and hate Gentiles? Same with us, with other people, all kind of nationalities and everything like that all over our world. We see that. Why? Because I'm better than you. Because of my education, because of the color of my skin or where I was born, what my language is. Uh, I have kids, you don't have kids. No, that, God hates it. And that was the problem. By the way, you think there's any prejudice today for the Jewish people in our world? How about in Germany? Was there any prejudice there? How about six million that were murdered? See, that's been true for the Jews their whole life. Why? Because of one person. You know his name? Jesus. Jesus. So here we are. So I want to, you know this next truth. Change is difficult. Have you had any problems over the last five or six months? Are you kidding? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And traditions are very hard. We kind of object and complain, but you guys have been good. But you know what I've discovered through all of this? God likes to do something new and fresh in our life. Tired of old skins that are hard, can't move us to do nothing. He likes new things. Because God creates new things in our life. Now, three times, God gave it to him. What does that mean to you and me? It means this. God is a patient teacher. Anybody glad for that? He's patient. He's patient with all of us. And here's another one. See, some of us are kind of prideful. I love this one. All of us are still a work in progress. Would you agree with that truth? Remember Paul at the end of the life, what Paul said? I haven't arrived yet. I'm still going for it, but I haven't arrived yet. See, what causes us to stop really growing in our walk with the Lord? What causes us without taking steps of faith? Because we think we're fine. Paul said, no, forget those things behind. I'm, I'm moving forward. I want to tell you, when this thing finally ends, just keep moving forward. Let's let the kingdom of God expand. Forget this junk in the past. We need to focus on people and God and the use of our time rather than the junk we're going through. All of it, the changes. It's hard for all of us, but let's go forward. Now, when you see that, pride is sticking where we are. Well, I'm kind of used to that. That's just the way it is. No, be fresh. Be open. Hear God when he speaks to all of us. Now, verse 17 while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision three times, and he's still trying to think, what the heck is this all about? The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. Now, Peter has no clue that there's going to be Gentiles knocking at his door. He has no clue who they are. He doesn't know anything about the other dream. So Peter doesn't understand this truth. He just knows one thing that God told him. Food, whatever food I say is okay, go for it. He said, okay, okay. I don't know what that means, but okay. Now, God's going to take it, and you'll see more of it next week, and applicate it toward Gentiles. Look at verse 18. And the guys at the door, they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up. Go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. Now notice, notice what the Holy Spirit says. For I have sent them. 
If you listen to this story I just gave you this morning from beginning to end, from Cornelius to Peter to their obedience, think how many, uh, what a personal God we have. God comes to Cornelius. He doesn't know who God is, but God knows his name. He sends an angel to him. Would you call that personal? And then says his name? All right, here we are, Peter. Peter's sitting up there getting ready to eat. God comes, sends a little gift to him. You know, maybe they were in lockdown, so they had to get gifts sent to him. Couldn't go to the restaurant. Here it is. No charge. Here we are. And he says what? Peter, get up and eat. And what is the last thing? Peter's standing there, and there's somebody knocking on his door. And who speaks to Peter? The Holy Spirit. And what does he say? He's leading him. He's leading him. You know, the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. You know what he loves to do? Lead us. Don't say no. Say yes. Now, he warns him here. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. Just go for it. Just go for it. Now, here's what I like about this. What truth did you just learn from me? Here it is. Every person matters to God. Every person is valuable to God. God didn't value Peter more than Cornelius. Cornelius isn't even a full-on believer yet. But he cares for the lost. And so you need to understand that every eye you look into as a human being, God cares for that person. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they've done. God loves them. Now, notice a word given to Peter. Don't hesitate. Here's the truth I want you to think about. When God speaks to us, there's no reason to hesitate. When he speaks to us, don't, don't doubt it. Why? God's will always includes his timing. He said to Peter, answer the door. Well, I don't want to go down and answer. I don't know who those guys are. Answer the door. God's will always includes his timing. Verse 21, and Peter went down. And said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's righteous, God-fearing. is respected by all the Jewish people. A whole angel came to give him the whole story. Come to our house. So we came here so you could come back with us and tell us what you need to say. They don't know anything about this. Peter doesn't really understand it. Verse 23. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. So what are you beginning to see here? You're beginning to see that Peter is starting to kind of adjust to new truth. Notice what he does. He invites three Gentiles into the house where he's staying. He has never done that in his entire life, ever. You couldn't step in to a Gentile house, but he's inviting Gentiles into where he's staying, unclean. But what does he do? He obeys the Holy Spirit. He invites them in for the night because it's too, too late to go back. So when you think about that, he's learning something in a very Slow way, but he's starting to get it. You know, when change comes, it takes time for us to get through it. 
It just takes time for us to get through it. And that's what God's doing. He's given them. He's patience three times. Do you think the knock on the door after he said, okay, okay, you think the knock on the door was by accident? No, the timing of God is perfect. Let's see how you're doing, Pete. Now, I want to tell you this. Don't miss next weekend because you're going to see God's going to change everything. All the wrong beliefs that Peter has are going to be emptied out. And all the things he needs to add are going to be put in. And Cornelius is going to have somebody very special in his life. Do you know who that is? His name is Jesus. That's what's going to change his whole life. And you'll see that next weekend. It's the whole pattern of that chapter. And then we go to another chapter right after that where Peter will have to go back to the Jewish rulers. And they're saying, what are you doing in that Gentile's house? Oh, it's going to be fun. You say, well, we don't act like that. Okay, let's move on. Now, you see the bag I just lifted? Some of you here are just like Cornelius. You're a good person. You're a wonderful person. You're generous. You believe in God. But there's something missing in your life. You have something you have to get rid of. It's called sin. Oh, Pastor Mark, I believe in God. No, it doesn't work. But there's something you add to add to it. His name is Jesus Christ. He came to save you. And I want to just challenge you this morning. No matter how good you think you are, and I appreciate that, a moral person, believing in God. But that will not get you to heaven. So today, you have to get rid of your sin. And then you have to ask Jesus into your heart. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to get rid of that. Now, I can't get rid of it for you. But Jesus already did. He died on the cross for your sin. It's all paid for. And if you'll pray this prayer with me in a few moments, you will leave this building. Sin will be gone. How much sin will be gone? All of it. You say, that's impossible. That's right. That's who our God is. All our sins are gone, and we get a what? A brand new start. Because now you have Jesus living in your heart. Now let me say one more thing. Some of you used to follow God. You had Jesus in your life. But for some reason, there was a time when you said to God, no. And you headed on your own trip. And you're listening to me, not by accident. God is saying to you, welcome home. Come on back. Quit being a prodigal. But I know you've probably thought about that. But Satan has said this to you. When you show God what you've been doing since you left walking with him, He's not going to forgive you of that. That's a lie from Satan. He doesn't care about our past. He cares about our future. And it's your future. You're special to him. Jesus died for you as well. So if you want to start that relationship with God, maybe for the first time, you know God, but you don't have Jesus. I want you to just pray this simple prayer. With me, or you need to come back, make a recommitment. Just pray this with me right now. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. You tell me in the Bible 
a verse that says this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus, I do believe you died for my sins. And right now, I choose to invite you into my life to change it in a way that I could never imagine. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me of all my sins. Today, I receive the gift of salvation, or I come back to the God I used to serve, and I look forward to a brand new start and a life of freedom, forgiveness, security, purpose, and the absolute assurance of heaven. Thank you for saving me.